We're back, baby. It's episode 75 of They Think It's All Over. Welcome back, listeners, to They Think It's All Over, the football shirt show, where this week we've got a special shirt numbers episode for you. Haven't we, lads? Yes, we have. I was about to nod then, and then you get all narky, didn't you? Okay, all right. Let's let's um, let's get the politeness out of the way and do the introductions. I'm Adrian Football Shirts Hallier. Who's joining me this week? It's Mike at Footy Shirts. It's Tom at Shirt Fan. AKA Dickhead. Dickhead. Scott fucking at Flying Scotty. <laughs> fucking get it round you. <laughs> Very topical, Scott, because I just want to take the listeners back seven days to the previous episode, and most people will remember that Scott promised back in episode 71 that he was going to go a whole feature without swearing. And if he did, he was going to have to do that famous immortal English comedy strap line at the end of a show. So let's just go back a week. Scott, you've definitely had your arse out of box. I've not had my arse out in a box, but I have had it out. I did a naked chef. I think there's a little swear in there. I think so too. The way the way I judge it is is if my kids are not allowed to say it, it's a swear word. Scott Ars is definitely a swear word. Can you can can you look at words? So you know, if you watch TV before nine PM, then they would bleep out something. Is there a way to look up the words that are bleeped I, out? I googled it and it just said Ars is definitely a swear word. Literally, that's all it said. They wouldn't yeah. show Hugh Edwards' ass on the BBC News. So. <laughs> <laughs> also, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, but haven't we had some correspondence around this? <laughs> we actually Fuck did. Off. We yeah, actually did. Fuck. Right. This is not even a joke. <laughs> so basically, after the last episode went out and Scott proclaimed his victory at the end, a few people have got in touch and said they're not very happy about it. So fuck, this is not true. (laughs) This is the this you can't see it. This is genuinely the emails that have come in. So the first one says, "Hello, gents. Hope you're doing well." Emails. Yeah, people. That's what people. If you're going to complain properly, you do it via email, Scott. That's what you do. It's official. So foolish. It says, uh, "Hello, gents. Hope you're all doing well." I'd like to complain about the podcast expletives that comes out of that Scottish chap's mouth. On the last episode, he used the word "ass," which was not cursed out. Unbelievable. I had to turn it off immediately as my young son was also listening along. Please be more family friendly in future, please, Scotty. You know you want to be. And that was from Mark Openshaw, who wants to remain anonymous. Yeah, you fucking emailing each other. <laughs> and that's not the thing is, that's not the only one. So basically, we also had another one. This was my favorite. It's a good afternoon. I am a regular listener to your insightful podcast, but this week I was appalled to hear the flagrant use of the swear word ass on this week's episode by one of your regular presenters, and it has left me distraught beyond measure. The fact that he's been allowed to get through your rigorous editing process has left me seriously doubting whether I can ever trust another human being again. If there was some way to adequately adequately ensure this never happens again, maybe through some weird, archaic and hilarious punishment, I may consider to regularly... <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I can't stop laughing. I may consider returning to regular society and continue listening to the podcast moving forward. And that was from a distraught and haughty Sir Geoffrey Von Smythe. And then just to finish it off, there was one more. Uh, it says, they think it's all over team. I've been listening to the show for over a year now and I've heard every episode. I think everything you you guys do is wonderful. Each member of the show has a great and unique personality and you gel together excellently. What's great is that even my son listens to the show. I think we know where this is going. <laughs> he heard me listening in the car recently on a long road trip and got hooked. Unfortunately, I may not be able to listen anymore. I've diligently ensured that I listen to each episode first prior to my son so I can skip forward through the potty mouth stuff. In last week's episode, the Scottish gentleman, ironically named Scott, said the word ass, despite an agreement being made that he would not swear in this episode. I didn't pre-listen to this show and let my son listen before me. This morning, he's been going, he's been talking back to me saying, I couldn't be asked about that and don't be an ass. <laughs> Needless to say, I'm absolutely appalled and would like Scott to either be banned from the show or to suffer some kind of punishment. This is a wholesome family show. Uh, Scott has caused some irreparable damage to not only my son, but my other children who hear my son swearing. Please do something about this so we can listen to my beloved show again. A concerned TTKAO fan. 
Chester, who I've never heard of before. So he's obviously legitimate. So, yeah. Um, and then there was one more email. I'm just going to... No, no, there, there, there was. Scott, <laughs> this is what happens. We, we get weekly emails. We, we, we don't even read them, but due to the gravity of um, you know, the seriousness of his issue, we've had to yeah. bring it to everybody's um, attention. But I'm not going to lie. This was from someone called Mr. G who just wrote, what is your family cheese? So I don't think it's got anything to do with Scott, but I thought it was worth mentioning. <laughs> if, if you're listening, Mr. G, it's a stinking bishop. But anyway, back to the swearing. I'm just going to have to interject as well. I have actually, while you're reading those emails, looked up Ofcom's guidelines for swear words and arse is on the mild list. So you did swear according to Ofcom. There we go. That's the proof, I know, Scott. I, I didn't know that there was a fucking... A li- a, what's the other what, Mild and severe? It's mild, Does medium, it? strong, strongest. I can read you a, a selection if you'd like. But so does it tell you if that's... Is that beat out or is it not? Tom, Tom, could could you just quickly form a sentence using one word from mild, then medium, then strong, and then strongest? You've read my mind. So in football, is... want it football shirt related though, Tom. Oh, oh Jesus! Give me a challenge. <laughs> can the end uh, of it be that you? Can the last word be that you three are all cunts? Ass is a swear word. You big bitchy bollocks! Shove the bastard beaver football shirts up your beef curtains. You motherfucking cunt! <laughs> I like beavers in there. There you go. You had one from each of the se- lists of severity. But yeah. does it does it beep if you say arse? Bef- is, is that like on yeah. the... Ofcom say it's a swear word. It's a swear word. Scott, it doesn't matter if it's mild or not. Like say, if, you, if, you, if you're poorly and you go to the doctors and you've got a cold, you, still got, if you might have a mild cold, you still got a cold, haven't you? Do you know what you lot can do? You can shove this up your arse. <laughs> That's, that's mildly offensive. <laughs> right, that's enough of that. Should we move on to some serious stuff? Has yeah, anybody, let's move on. <laughs> has anybody got any news they'd like to bring to our listeners' attention? I do. I have. I have some news. I was delighted this transfer window to see the back of Christian Pulisic, who a lot of people know wasn't the biggest fan of the man because he just gobbed off a lot whenever he went and played Honduras for the states. It's easy to look good against Honduras, Christian. Not so easy to look good against Burnley, as it happens. But he's joined AC Milan. And there were some really interesting stats this week about the impact of his sign-in on AC Milan shirt sales, which I thought was interesting anyway. So I thought I'd just kind of raise a couple of these. So apparently there was a 266% increase in AC Milan shirt sales the day Pulisic signed compared to the previous day when he wasn't at the club. And 43% of those sales came from the United States, which was up on the previous year from 9%. So it just goes to show what kind of impact a signing like Pulisic, Captain Piss in America, as they say, has on the other side of the Atlantic. 90% of the shirts sold were with Pulisic on the back and they all went to the US. And 45% of shirts sold by AC Milan since his sign-in are Christian Pulisic shirts. So I just thought that was interesting about how a player can impact a club's shirt sales after a transfer. It is a really interesting breakdown. And when you think about, it would be really good to get that kind of breakdown when you're speaking about a player that most of the world actually give a fuck about. You know, if you think about... But if you think about Ronaldo's, Messi's, Beckham's, you know, those kind of, even Kaka's name was floated about when he did his Real Madrid move. It it would be, I wish they'd do that with more just so you can actually, because that's kind of what they do, isn't it? They use it as a marketing ploy. It would be interesting to see more players' uh, stats broken down like that. That that was definitely leaked by Pulisic's PR team, for sure. He's so full of himself. I mean, I wish it translated into the transfer fee Chelsea received because we lost about 40 million quid on the fella, so, yeah. Another another thing to take from that, though, is how fucking shit are AC Milan shirt sales before 45% of their entire sales are American fans putting I... Pulisic on the back? They can't sell many shirts then. I read that the other way. I just see that as just what a... Bayamoff Pulisic is in terms of marketing and just how popular he is in the States. I just think the volume of shirts he must sell is huge rather than because AC Milan, they're huge. People buy shirts from them all the time, right? Yeah, um, I think I was gonna say, let, and let's face it, it's not it's not unusual for teams to buy players 50% for how they can play and 50% for their marketing value as well, is it? 
Very true. Very true. Perhaps we just don't realise how big he's in the States. I mean, he must be a superstar, though, I'm guessing. Could be worse, Tom. You're about to lose 100 million on Lukaku. <laughs> Literally nobody wants him. I love it. Nobody. Took you 12 minutes today, Scott. Well done. It's a record. It's what an ass. It, it's the best transfer saga this, this year. Period. The people are actually arguing about not getting him now. <laughs> no, you have him. No, no, you have him. No, no, you have him. Just quickly, talking about losing money, though, did anybody see the stat that I was on? I, I mean, it was on Twitter, so it has to be true, about Leeds selling players. So um, Leeds have let eight players leave this summer that cost the club £120 million. And for all of them combined, they got £3.5 million back. Ouch. They've all gone on loan, haven't they? They're all loanees. Chelsea losing a lot of money on, on Lukaku can't be as damaging as that is to a club like Leeds. And Harry Maguire's still not gone on a, a free transfer loan, Scott. So um, perhaps you no. should just just wait and see um, see where that goes. Has anybody else noticed as well that a lot of Premier League clubs are selling players for not a lot of money? Like a wee Fred's only going for, not that Fred's great, but he's only going for potentially 10 million. Yet City seem to be able to sell some fucking 16-year-old that's never seen a football pitch for 30 million. How's that happening? 14 minutes to make a Man City slander this week. Well done. So that's 12 minutes for Lukaku and 14 minutes for Man City. What else have we got on the bingo card today, Tom, that Scott's going to go through? 117th charge inbound. You got a Lukaku shirt. Do I? Fuck. <laughs> you still have Haaland shirts? Unfortunately, yeah. I- I've got a Lukaku shirt. So it's, a, it's a Belgian one, though. Oh, okay. You want a Mason Mount shirt, Scott? I'll ask me in six months. <laughs> well, I think we peaked there with uh, Mason Mount. So let's move on to the new releases. Right. So this week we have got an avalanche of new releases. Sticking to the mountain theme, see what I did. I went peaked and then I got an avalanche. Yeah. An avalanche of new releases. Let's rate them which ones we think are hot. And which ones we think are not. We'll go Tom, Scott, Mike, and in no particular order, AFC Wimbledon's third shirt. Love this. Like a classic LNX 90s Wimbledon shirt. Brilliant. Yeah, love the colours and the collar. Yeah, I was just going to say crazy going vibes. Good stuff. Social media went massive on this one. So, you know, potentially a shirt of a season, are we saying? Ooh, not for me. It's nice though. Same. Good, 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 but not, not shirt of the season for me. Agreed. Okay, right. Moving on from that Umbro banger, we're going across to Newcastle with their third shirt. I actually quite like the design. Sponsor ruins it, though. Yeah, the only good thing is if they tie the sponsor and the sleeve sponsor colour in quite nicely with a shot. It's okay. Yeah, that's about it. You're right, actually, Scott. So the sponsor, the club badge, Castore, and the trim is all the same colour. So they've gone from sport washing to sponsor washing. But staying with Castore, we're going across to... Glasgow Rangers. That's no, not Scottish accent, was it? Um, can you say Glasgow Rangers, Scott? Glasgow Rangers. Yeah, exactly. I don't like this. Uh, it looks like one of those kind of uh, a lacy, uh, not lacy, a lace, a lace uh, t-shirts you see in TK Maxx on the bargain rail. Not for me. A colour to piss off the other side of Glasgow. Uh, in, in stark contrast to Tom, I think it's probably the my favourite shirt Castori have ever done. I actually like it. A favourite shirt? Is that because it hasn't got a Castori badge on it? Uh, it could be. <clears throat> it, it could just be that it's the first shirt they've ever done that's even half decent. So, yeah, you know, the bar's not very high. And given the old school Rangers logo, they can probably get away with having it upside down and people won't notice because, you know, given the font, <laughs> it's harder to, harder to tell. Uh, we'll go across to the biggest club in Berkshire. That is League One Reading FC. It's too gimmicky, this, with the cityscape. On the hoops. It, I mean, Redding, does it have landmarks? Can anyone confirm that is Redding Skyline? I, I mean, I live in Redding-ish. Um, <laughs> and I'm trying to go through the landmarks. I think you've got Cavisham Bridge, the Blade, possibly the train station. Then you've got a new Cavisham Bridge. And it's the last one, the Tower Gate at the Abbey on, on the top. And then the bottom ones, I haven't really got a clue. So... I don't know. It's not the skyline of Turin. It's amazing how on a football shirt podcast, we've become even more niche by talking about Reading landmarks. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got somebody on here that actually knows what any of them are. And it, and it just happens to be one of the shittest shirts of the season as well. <laughs> Bad, isn't it? Wait until you see yeah. the away. Awful. 
Okay. Okay. Um, back to some Umbro bangers, and we are going across to League One with SC Lorient Sturgeon. Uh, I, I don't like this, actually. Not a fan. The geometric pattern has no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, it looks like a... Well, it is a chopped-up umbrella badge, isn't it? So not for me. Yeah, see, I like it, because I think it's a bit of a throwback to the, one of the old templates where the old big double diamond was was in there. I really like it. I think it's a good umbrella shirt again. Yeah, I think it's smart. Going from umbro smashing it across to um, maybe less so, maybe one's a bit more... Uh, bit more shit it's the burnley away shirt yeah someone needs to take this dog to the vets and get him some worming tablets best meme of the day tom mm. that sponsor's fucking horrendous as well yeah sponsorship but other than that i don't hate the shirt as much as everyone else seems to to be honest but anybody that doesn't follow us on social media don't know why you don't because basically you should um our social media is probably better than this podcast so if you can put up the podcast you should definitely follow us on twitter but uh tom how did you describe the stripe down this burnley shirt it looks like you know when a, a dog's got an itchy bum and it decides to kind of rub itself against the carpet comically it's like that it looks like one of those has dragged itself and its ass across the shirt <laughs> lovely image for everyone there no, I think it, I know. We I don't think we go into the imagery of shirts enough, and I think it's important on that one that you um you paint that picture for everyone, Tom. So well done. Uh, next up, have Umbro redeemed himself with Cape Town FC? I wouldn't know what club this is, and that's never a good sign for me. Yeah, I don't mind it. Not a great football shirt, but it's a bit out there for a t-shirt, isn't it? Again, I, I think it's really good in context because African clubs tend to have quite out their shirts with exuberant designs and I think it fits the bill. I think it's really good and it's got that nice sort of like pattern down the, the shoulders and sleeves as well. I, I, again, I think it's really good, to be honest. Next bag, we have got Sheffield United's away shirt. You know what? On first look, very boring, but I love how the stripes are, you know, they're in the... the style of a steel beam or a steel plate and of course Sheffield the steel city I think is clever yeah I agree another great effort from era don't like it <laughs> I don't know what's going on this week it seems like every shit I like you guys fucking hate and vice versa <laughs> I think it's fucking awful yeah we're ticking boxes for everyone uh we've got Bolton Wanderers third shirt from Macron very smart Macron they love a collar on a shirt don't they and they they rarely miss Love the thick cuffs. Yeah, nice shirt. Not nice pattern within the, the main colour as well. Looks good. West Ham released uh, away whiteout shirt. Let's just skip straight to Mike. I said it last week and I reiterate, I hope they fucking get relegated. It's it's all it's right, it is. It's a fucking awful shirt. It's an absolute abomination. I have no problem with blackouts, whiteouts, redouts, whatever the fuck you want to call them. But the second you start taking all of that shit away, a club's identity, the manufacturer, everything, and just leaving the betting sponsor in the middle, yeah, fuck them. No one should have ever signed off on that shirt. It shouldn't even be allowed to be worn. There we go. Let's move across to Palmer and their away shirt. It's dreadful. Who signed off on this? It's not even about the sponsors, it's it's just a terrible shirt. That might be the shittest football shirt I have ever seen in my life. And that is saying something, considering the fucking third template that they came out with the other year. I mean, the, the unevenness of the, the Puma logo being in the middle, and then the, which looks like a fucking toddler glued on the badge. <laughs> and then, what? I mean, well done, classic football shirts. You've got a big shop and you sponsor teams now. But why the fuck have they got two shirt sponsors? What the fuck is that even about? Like the sponsor's not even in the middle of a hoop, is it? I'm just looking no. at it now. It's like, but it's like, could they make their logo any fucking longer? You know what I mean? It's not CFS. It's not compact. Like, like it looks so fucking stupid. And how? Who signed off on them being a secondary main sponsor? It doesn't make. Put the fucking logo on the sleeve or something. You're a fucking football shirt shop. You literally own a shop that all your revenue comes from selling football shirts and you cunts have signed off on three of the most fucking hideous shirts of the year. It's like, do they? It it makes me doubt everything about that shop that somebody's fucking seen that and gone, all right, it is fucking wank. But Scott, what do you you really think about this? (laughs) Mike, anything to add? Well, there goes our sponsorship in CFS, eh? Fucking lost Puma, lost CFS. Well, yeah, anyway, uh, we've got Man City Sturgeon. She's electric. It's quite nice, isn't it? Unfortunately, it's quite a nice shirt. 
deep, deep. Thanks, Tom. Uh, no comments. Scott, Mike? No, don't like it. Too cheesy. Great name set, though, for the tour. Yeah, but they're going to wear it like twice and, okay. and then you'll never be able to get it. Dog shit. Okay. Thank you for your enthusiasm there. Uh, we got Schalke's home shirt. It's very templated, isn't it? And that Schalke 04 sponsor does not help it. I thought that was a great example of how you can make a template not look like all the other shirts. And it's a yep. classic, the jacquard pattern in it. And it looks so crisp and classy. I love it. Yeah, I, I'm exactly the same. I think it makes the template look good. Love, love the pattern in it. It's really good. Barbie came out this week and so did the new Palermo home shirt. Uh, I feel like this could, could grow on me. It's quite a stripped back design. It's, it's quite smart though, quite smart. And I'd like the sponsor. Why are Italian teams putting two sponsors on the front of their shirt? It looks fucking terrible. Is that all broke, Scott? All right. Well, this isn't going to help because nobody's going to buy their fucking shirts if they keep putting them out looking this badly. Yeah, not, not a fan. Don't, don't like the shirt, don't like sponsors. Okay, sticking from uh, an Italian shirt with two sponsors, we go across to one that um, sponsors itself because they would eat themselves if they were chocolate. It's Venezia with their away shirt. We said last week they could have jumped the shark and they've jumped about 10 with this shirt. It, just pack it in, Venezia. Just pack it in. No one's impressed anymore. This looks like they've got somebody working in the factory that doesn't know how to apply things properly because they've just stuck that fucking Gucci-looking bar on the front of the shirt, and they've always gone, how the fuck are we going to get this to go all the way around? Oh, I don't know, just leave it on the front, it'll be easier. Shite. Yeah, shite. (laughs) Okay, going from one strange stripe to another, we've got the Manchester United away shirt. It's a very, very unusual football shirt, but I think this will be looked back on as an absolute classic. I think you're right, Tom. I have a couple of issues with it, but I've bought it because the long-sleeved authentic version sold out before lunchtime, which was mental. Thankfully, there was a discount code. Um, I think it lines itself up to be customised because if you look at the block on the sleeve, you're going to have to put a sleeve patch in to complete it. And on the back, the stripes only come a quarter of the way up the back and then you've got the annoying box. But I mean, for this kind of shirt, you can see potentially why there needs to be a box because it's so busy. Yeah, I think Tom's right. I think it's going to be, and I'm going to reserve judgment till I've got it in my hand and see what it's like. But I think it could potentially be one of those cult cult classics down the line because it's so unusual. But this uh, is Scott, a great... Sorry, cult is a minor swear word on this pod. Oh, yeah. I shouldn't say cult. We'll just say a, a classic shirt, yeah. Okay. Don't like it. Excellent. Well summarised. <laughs> uh, got the new Roma away shirt released. Not a fan. Not a fan of this. The same. You're, getting ed- you're getting edit now. Uh, <laughs> we got the new Roma away shirt released, Scott. Uh, love the pattern. Should have put it on the back. It doesn't interfere with the name set at all. I like it. <laughs> and finally, we've got... Who, who, who's, who's this? Todd Burley's Blue Army. Oh, is it Chelsea? It is. Oh, I didn't know that song. Scumbags. The lot of yours. It's a great shirt. Great shirt. Uh, it looks brilliant with the Premier League font and lettering on the back. Look better with a sponsor. I don't like the iridescent badges, but I think it's a good shirt. Are you going to get a sponsor anytime soon? I thought you boys were a big club. All I'm going to say is if the collar would have matched the cuffs on this, it would have been pretty much a spot on shirt. I would have loved it. I love the matching collar and the matching cuffs. Right, that rounds up this week's new releases. Let's move on to some magic numbers. So for this week's feature, we have someone that you will all know from Twitter and from this weird little community that we have, all about football shirts. And this is Stan whose Twitter account is at 10stan1981. Hello, Stan. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about why you're here today? Thanks, Tom. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invite. Um, So, obviously, fellow football shirt collector. Um, A previous vice of mine was um, quite an extensive Parmalat collection that you may have have, have seen. Um, I basically have a a bit of a, a, I guess, weird like for football trivia um facts on players and when I combined that with the love for football shirts um I started at the beginning of lockdown to write a football magazine and that's based on as a kid it was match shoot 90 minutes every week 
world soccer every month and just took huge amounts of enjoyment, like ingesting football trivia. So during lockdown, I managed to put together about 16 uh, football magazines. It's called The Halfway Line. Um, it's free to download. We'll get all to that stuff later. Um, but by the end of it, after 16 issues, I had a collection of football shirt pictures, um, facts, trivia, about 1,500 combinations. So I thought, I tell you, I think I know a community who might like, you know, if I put that all into one thing. Um, because the whole point of the, the magazine, each page number was a football shirt and it had the, the facts about the players. I thought it was quite a unique little take on the magazine. Um, but when I put them all together and started seeing them in one place, um, I just loved it. And I thought others would. Um, I've had some incredible feedback um, from the likes of you guys on the podcast um, and other guys on the, in the Twitter community. Um, and I just want to get out there. Um, and yeah, this is a great opportunity to talk about some of the good things I found and some of the absolute tedious things um, that I found on football shirts. See, I have to say, I think at least three of us, Mike, I think a little less so, love a name set on the back of our shirts. And this book that you've kind of compiled, the football shirts, names and numbers, it's like perfect fodder. Like, I don't know, if you're going to be a quiz master or something like that, or if it's just your interest to niche kind of name sets and number combinations. I just thought it was right up our alley in terms of the kind of a good way for us all to talk together about some of our favourite squad number stories. And I can see AD's desperate to get... No, yeah. no, I I just want to say before we get into this, can I just shotgun Stan for next time we do a quiz? Because I know we've got a quiz, quiz episode coming up soon. <laughs> I just want to get it out there and shotgun um, him on my team now. I, I have been known to turn up to the classic football shirts quiz on my own. You know, I'm not afraid to admit. <laughs> no, any invite, I'll be very happy with that. But where did you come? Where did you finish? Uh, respectable. Uh, I would say <laughs> mid-table. mid-table. Um, yeah, was, uh, there was a steward and a couple of the answers, but... Yeah, I, I let I let that go. Surely they didn't get details wrong. I'm not commenting on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so come on then, tell us if you had to pick one stat, the most like interesting player number stat in that whole book. Where would you go? Gosh, uh, so I'll, I'll pick a couple of the favourites, and then I'll, I'll I'll pick a couple of the horrendous ones. Um, from from a selfish point of view, my favourite number is is ten. If you look at the, I mean, it's an obvious choice, but you look at the, the talisman, if you look at the Baggios, the Hajis, the Bergkamps, you know, the true entertainers, they always take the number 10. And so I think that carries huge weight. And if you if you sign one of those players and you get that opportunity to put them on the shirt, like a Raquel May, Ronaldinho, straight away, I think it adds something to the shirt. You've got shirts that have got stories. Like if you think Justin Cliver, when he moved to Roma, he took the number 34 number as a tribute to his former teammate who um, tragically collapsed on the pitch. So it's a great way of kind of sending a tribute. Even you think, I don't like the guy as a, as a, as a player, but Adebayor, when he joined Arsenal, he took 25. Now he did that because Nwanku Kanu was his hero. And if you take a step back, you think, like, if I signed for a club, I would absolutely pick a number that I was inspired by another player. So the fact that an actual footballer, you kind of, you really warm to him. And then he obviously does what he does on the pitch and you quite quickly unwarm to him. So on that, on players, do we know any more like this? Because I read that De Rossi took 16 because Roy Keane wore 16. Is that right? That is good. I, I, I read that um, Eric Dyer took 15 because of Vidic is one I've heard. So I think there is background to that. And you kind of think that's, I love that. I love that because they make them human. You know, it's, and I assume you think of the Holy Grails in Argentina and Brazil, they all strive for that number 10 shirt. You know, that, that's kind of mean you made it. So to have that, that kind of medallion around your neck, but actually via the name and a number on the back of the shirt, I think it's, I think it's awesome. Looking through your book stand, I'm looking at the, the number 10 page and for those that haven't seen this yet, we are, we'll plug it on the socials. Essentially, each page is a number from one to a hundred. And on the other side of the page, you have all the stats that are facts about the players on the other side. And this number 10, you, you can't have a page with better players than this whole book. I mean, we've got Totti, we've got Rivaldo, Mancini, Laudrup, Haji, Rui Costa, Maradona, Valderrama, Mateus. The list goes on. I mean, that's got to be, yeah, it's, it's, it's the king of football shirt numbers, 10, isn't it? I mean, Mike, Scott, do you disagree with that? I, I do disagree because you, you said earlier that I'm maybe not the the sort of like the, the, the squad number geek that you guys are. And I think that's true, but I am in a different way because 
I love an obscure number. I love something weird. I love unusual players. I like unusual numbers. Some of the the, the Bayern Munich shirts I've got, I've got players that, that, you know, people have said, who does that? And then me, I got out of my way to find those namesets and put them on. So one of the questions I got is, is I haven't seen the book yet, but is, is there anything in there on the more unusual numbers or, have you, or is it more strictly your, your one through 11s? So the beauty is it covers all those grounds. So we literally have a page from one, all the way up to 100. And we've even got a number 2019, which was a Brazilian guy who was celebrating a contract extension, which is woeful. But yeah, we go all the way up. Um, I'll give you number 69 for Vicente Lizarazu, um, rejoined by Munich. Obviously, there's a connotation with that number and it was quick to be criticised within the press. But the suggestion was it was actually a combination of what his height is and what his weight was. So he managed, I think, to get away with it slightly. I think we probably all can get nothing yeah. to do with his height and weight. I guess also way. useful in that situation as well. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good one. Uh, Victor Wenyama, when he joined Celtic, uh, relatively unknown. He took the number 67. That's a tribute to the, um, the Lisbon team, the Lisbon Lions, in 1967 when they won the European Cup. So kind of straight away you get your, your fans on your side, you know, and obviously as a new joiner, that's... First impressions make a huge difference. Sentimental-wise, there's a couple of good ones. Patrick Catrone, who signed for Wolves once. He was at AC Milan, 63, because that's the year of birth for his father, as tribute, I assume, for putting the hard graft to get where the player he was. And then the left-back, Ricardo Rodriguez, also at Milan, uh, 68, it was his mother's year of birth. So um, showing both sides of it. Yeah, we covered that uh, Catrone story, didn't we, Tom? And we saw him out in Como. And that's the reason he signed for Como, because that's where his, uh, where his father oh, was mate. from as well. Yeah. Oh, superb. A modern one in the league at the moment, Bruno Gamirish at, um, at Newcastle, great player. 39, a bit abstract for a, you know, a box-to-box central midfielder. Um, his father is a cab driver in Brazil, and I'm led to believe each cab number has like a licence or a number. And his dad's number is 39. So again, it's a tribute to the graft his, his old man's putting to get that's him where he wants. That's, that's so, my favourite. How good's that? One of my favourite bits about putting in the research to this book. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a massive quality gap of players from about 50 to 90. So you really have to go to the ends of all the leagues to try and find. And I found one for Inter Milan, number 89. is a, a Swede called Goran Slavkovsky, right? And at the time he made his debut for Inter Milan in 2006, he was the youngest ever player for Inter Milan, which is outstanding. Right? He was, he was labelled the new Zlatan. Five years later, he couldn't get a game for Barnet on trial. Like Now, you would just never know that unless you found out that this guy wore 89. What does he do next? So it's given him a, a great opportunity to you know, increase the trivia. I doubt it will ever come up in a quiz. Unless Scott's going to ask me something now. No, so I was going to say my I have a soft spot for number seven, being a Man United fan. But what I prefer is I like players that make numbers famous. So as opposed to, you know, the, the blanket, everybody loves the number 10, but not as obscure as Mike who likes weird people from weird teams that wear strange numbers no but... no that, that's not true everybody knows that the number 13 was made famous by one man he plays Michael for Bayern Munich no <laughs> 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 it was Eric Maxin Chupo Moting and everybody knows it but anyway I'll let Scott get back to his point but, so you think about players like it, it uh, I mean I, I always go back to Beckham because it's an easy one for me but you know, he was never going to get number seven at Real Madrid because of Raul. So he had to go 23. You look at Kaka associated with a number 22 because of how good he was at AC. Zidane with 21 at Juventus and then five at Real Madrid. So in your opinion, through writing the book, who is the best player that's had to choose another number that then has transformed it to their own because of the way they play? Right, Stan, answer this properly. It's always a loaded question with Scott where the answer generally has to be David Beckham, right? <laughs> Don't worry about that. You answer this how you want to answer this. So if I work it backwards. So Beckham almost took 76 at AC Milan. I don't know if you know that because it was the year of his birth, um, yeah. which I have a slight issue with. I don't mind for your parents' years of birth, but maybe a little bit egotistical if it's not. I think Kaka is a fantastic one because, again, those who don't know in his Sao Paulo career, you know, up and coming youthful, he hit the floor running at Ace Milan and never went back. And then when he went to Real Madrid at eight, it wasn't the same player, 
right? So you can almost think there's a psychological thing that goes with the football shirt as well, you know? And there was a, probably a huge marketing ploy with the Beckham to Real Madrid. They referenced the Michael Jordan influence and probably since, you know, spectacularly helped the sales. Um, but I do think there's a bit of a mindset about the player. Play, uh, Paolo Future, when he signed for West Ham, um, he got into the change room by all accounts, took his shirt number and it was 16. And he threw it at Harry Redknapp and said, I'm, I'm not playing number 16. Who's got my number 10? And it was John Moncur. And so John Moncur bartered with him and, and got a free holiday at his, his, his villa in Portugal for giving him the number 10 shirt. So there's a huge um, drive about getting your right shirt. I'm trying to think of a great one. 21 is an incredible number as well. You referenced Zidane. Like the, the players who've played 21, Pirlo for the national team, um, Babella, obviously. These players who you think might fit a number 10. Zinedine Zidane never wore number 10 in club football. You know, through, through Bordeaux, Juventus, Madrid. There you go. So, you know, Forland maybe didn't do exactly the credit for the, for the number 21. But I would probably say Zidane, I think, because of the players that have followed him... Um, I'm pretty sure Pogba took 21 at Juventus as well. I'll have to check that. But I think from an inspiration to pick a number that's not a traditional one, for someone then to copy that, I think that speaks volumes. I mean, looking at that, I'm just looking at your book here, Stan, that the players 21, like you said, they're, they're all of a similar ilk, aren't they? You've got Imar, you've got David Silva, Milinkovic Savic, Valeron, Luis Enrique. They are kind of Prozanecki. They are kind of like these attacking... Dybala, you want to say it, don't you? Dybala, yeah, Dybala. Yeah. I forgot. Or you won't <laughs> forget him, <laughs> But yeah, so it's interesting. Oh, Frankie de Jong as well, 21 at Ajax. So yeah, uh, interesting that they did kind of follow Zidane in, in, in that way. Just going to, again, because I've got the book to hand, and it's, it's a fantastic read. Like, it's a proper coffee table book, you know. You can pick this up and kind of flip through it at your leisure. But you've got the one to 100, the different kinds of players in there. Was there a number where you really thought, shit, I'm not going to be able to fill a page with with this number? The hardest was 100. And what you'll find is a number of national teams, as a tribute to those who make the century caps, allow the player to wear it. So Martin Jorgensen, um, we had... Um, Martin, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Macarona from uh, South Africa, probably not done his pronunciation, a huge amount of service. Now, as a follow-up to this, there's a volume two and the page 100 shirts is significantly harder. Finding 16 was tough, finding another 16, because the whole idea and the whole premise is to have each number unique to a player. So I don't want to have Ronaldinho number 10 and Ronaldinho number 80. I just want him to feature one. And I want the play. I want the readers to kind of think, well, I'll see him at page number X, and him not be there, and then go and find him wearing forty nine at Atletico Mineiro. So, hundred is definitely the struggle. We did a, a special page number where it was above uh, the hundred. Um, so, a great story. Tommy Orr, who is a left winger, Australian, used to play for Ipswich very infrequently. At the start of one of the uh, FIFA tournaments that Australia were in. They had to list all the players they were going to use within that period. And they listed 121 of them. And Tommy Orr was 121. And so they gave him the shirt number in an international match to wear 121, which is probably not something he grew up aspiring to wear. But I guess you don't turn down a national team call-up. He's um, made it his own as well, to be fair to him, hasn't he? He has, yeah. I've yet to see someone quote, that's why I wear 121 because of Tommy Orr. But I'm, I'm sure maybe Tommy Orr's junior may well do. There's, there's one that, obviously, it's a bit cheeky. You'll, you'll know it, Adrian, Ivan Zamorano. When Roberto Baggio joined into Milan, Ronaldo was already wearing number 10. Baggio wanted the number, so he took number nine, which meant Zamorano had to, had to leave it alone. So we went for the inspirational choice of 18 with a plus sign in the in-between. That's gone down in folklore. But what I don't think he realised, he's inspired the likes of Clinton Morrison and Adi Akibayi who have done the same in the lower leagues of English football. So Morrison, I believe, was at Coventry. I think he wanted the number 10 shirt. He doesn't fit the criteria for a number 10 shirt, just should be said. So he took 19 with a plus in the middle. And then Adi Akinbae, 55 at Crystal Palace, would you believe, with a plus sign in the middle. Again, doing the stats, he does definitely not strike me as the talismanic you know, playmaker at Selhurst Park. But um, I, wonder who, I wonder who had number 10 at Palace at that point, because... If oh, anybody came I, up to me and asked me to have number 10. If I had to guess, I'd say Jamie Scowcroft. 
but I shall definitely look into the um, into the backlog. I'm going to have one of the search. worst number battles in history. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a great legacy, is it, for the Chileans? Um, and then it could be. It could be worse. You could be Tony Tony Martial blamed Ibrahimovic for stealing his number and his form, and then he got number nine back, and it turned out he's just shit. See, I have a bit of an issue with players who move numbers as a senior. If you're a, if you're a, if you're a youngster coming through the ranks, you look at Kaya Saka was 87, 77, now seven. There's a clear path that he's looking to take. When you get like a Granite Xhaka was 29 at Arsenal, a couple of seasons there, then went to 34. Or Nicholas Bentner was 26, he went to 52. And there's different reasons and rumours why he made that change. One was... They suggested he was on 52,000 grand a week and wanted to show off. The other was he was 26, but he became twice the player. So he went to 52. Now, <laughs> both are quite hard. to. I know which one I believe. <laughs> yeah, I think it was probably the amount of games it took for him to score his first goal. But that's again, I'd have to do the statistics. See, there's an interesting story about Lukaku's squad number at, at Inter last year. Of course, on loan from Chelsea. And what's, Scott, you'll know this. What number did he take? Did he take 95? It's 90. 90, 90 yeah. 90, right. yeah. And th- I, again, this could be complete Twitter mythology. But what I heard was he'd chosen the number 90 because he'd signed for Chelsea for 100 million and then been loaned back to Inter for 10. So that's how much money he'd cost Chelsea. He picked the 90. I don't oh, know if that's wow. true or not. but I want it to be. I think I want it yeah. to be. I don't. I don't want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds I mean, like him to be fair. Obviously, I love the, the huge scope of squad numbers because they give you the opportunity for me to have done this. I'm a traditionalist by heart. You know, I, my one to 11s is where your first team should be. When you get like the William Gallus wearing number 10 at Arsenal was a, a real tough one to swallow. Wilfred Boney took number two at Swansea. The, the reason behind it was it was the second time he joined the club. I thought it was the amount of games he played for Man City in between. But <laughs> it's there's definitely, I mean, in Mexico, I don't know if you know this, the squad numbers go into the 300s. They just give every player associated with the club a number. Like, it's insane. So you could have like a, a, a 306 playing in the middle of the park. Now, that's, I think, a bit odd. But a couple of years ago, Oxford United tried something a little bit more sensible. They gave every member up, to, I think it was from year nine upwards within their academy, they gave them a squad number to kind of give them that feel of, you know, within the family, um, which I like that piece. But again, the first team, I think there's, I mean, there's never going to be any regulation around it because it, it sells. But I think when you get the likes of, again, I'm picking on him, Nicholas Bentner wore number three for Wolfsburg up front. That's, that's not right in any stretch of the imagination. It's... Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, Is that because he was only 6% of the player he used to be? <laughs> <laughs> one for the mathematicians there, I like that, Adrian, very quick. And then another feature, um, we, we look at some of the retired shirt numbers. So there's club legends, obviously, around Europe and the globe. Um, Zanetti uh, at Inter Milan, they've retired his number four shirt. The, the defensive absolute rocks, Maldini and Baresi, uh, three and six um, at AC Milan. And then, obviously, you'll know this, but Jack Lester at, at Chesterfield, number 14, has been retired just because of the legacy he left. Um, so you get a huge, huge range of what you would probably say quality. And then somebody mentioned Jude Bellingham taking the five as a you know, knock-on effect, potentially, from Zinedine Zidane. Jude Bellingham played, I think, under 30 games for Birmingham in his one and only season. And they retired his number 22 shirt off the back of one season. So Birmingham City clearly knew they had a talent. Never oh, heard no, no, that, that's actually because Birmingham are a shit club. So, oh, gotcha. Yeah, nobody else wanted to play for them. Do you think? Do you think that's something that teams should do more? Because if you look at American sports, it's huge in American sports. But I think that the criteria of getting your shirt retired in America is not only is it. I think it's easier to quantify, isn't it? Because most sports play for one cup, and that's it. Point blank. Period. Like the Super Bowl or the NBA championship. So there's only one thing to go for and, and it's easier to quantify. Or do you think it's a good, because I mean, like you said, it's, you know, Bellingham going to Real Madrid and taking the five, there's, there's a legacy thing there. Whereas if yeah. you retire the number, then you, you completely lose that. 
But then on the flip side, you have the pressure of somebody come, like look at look at Man United's number sevens over the last ten years. They've been fucking awful because there's so much pressure that comes along with that number in that club. I think that, Scott, you're spot on. I think the, the American reference because it's kind of normal for them to have a huge like selection of numbers. So if you're Dan Marino thirteen for the Dolphins or or Jordan twenty three or Dennis Rodman up at ninety one, you get a huge scope of numbers. I think with within football because it's such a tight knit number and the aspiration to be that player. So I don't believe there's been a number ten since Totti retired. You can't tell me the youth players or the kids growing up in Rome don't want to wear that number 10 at the Stadio Olimpico and, and, you know, be roared on. So I I think there should absolutely be some type of reference to their success and their legacy. But I, I wouldn't want, for example, as an Arsenal fan, them to hang up the number 10 shirt so no one else could fit it. So other ways of doing it, I can understand why, but I'd, I'd prefer them to be available for selection. I was going to say, I was just looking through some of the retired numbers in the book and course Chelsea retired 25 after Gianfranco Zola and there was a rumour a couple of years ago that they were going to give the 25 to I, I can't remember who it would have been now but there was a rumour that someone had asked Zola if they could wear the 25 and eventually I think because of fan pressure it didn't happen and I'm glad because I, A I can't remember who it was but I'm pretty sure with our transfer record it would have been someone shit so <laughs> I'm glad they didn't give them the 25, but that's the only squad number at Chelsea. And I guess, I don't know, Scott, is that more acceptable? Because it's a higher one. It's not a one to 11, like 25 is a bit unusual. Yeah, I think I would, I would agree with that in, in certain clubs for sure. But yeah, I agree like Stan's saying. Imagine, imagine retiring a number 10 at a club and never nobody ever wearing that again. It, it would be unusual for football. I think it's, it's just a different kind of... And how many, you, you look at, if you look at genuine legends, I mean, everybody has their cult favourites. I mean, cheaper fucking Morton, you know what I mean? Nobody's going to retire his number and miss him. But how many, how many Michael Jordans are there in, in football? I mean, basketball, regardless of, I know some of the newer breed are a bit LeBron James here, there, but genuinely speaking, it is Michael Jordan. What's one player in the history of the sport? Football's just, just not like that, is it? The stats are different. The competitions are different. There's, so many different countries it's played in it. I think it's just a lot harder to to group it in like you do in in the American sports. So you're right, because the numbers are lower as well. I mean, because Roma had two, dad six and ten retired at one point. Um, six for Alde here and yes, then <laughs> they unretired it for Kevin Streetman. God bless him um, and his name <laughs> in Serie A now. But uh, are there many shirts that you came across that got unretired? Uh, West Ham retired six as well. Uh, for the late Bobby Moore, but Michael Carrick then came into the fray and, and, and took that. There was a, I found a very bizarre one. It hasn't been brought back in, but a number 10 for a Polish team who the, uh, John Paul II, the Pope, supported. So they retired the number one shirt as a respect to the Pope, who never even played for him, right? which is fine a bit weird. I mean, that's taking it to another level. Or, or they just have a real shortage of, of good goalies in the, in the region. Um <laughs> Maybe Chelsea, though, should retire the number nine shirts based on some of the absolute horrific attempts. I thought they had retired it about 10 years ago. I was waiting for you to bring this up. I was waiting for it. There's a few, Tom. I mean, let's let's have a look. The the good ones, I'll give you Viali, Hasselbank and Crespo. The bad ones, Kesman, Bularouz, Sidwell, DeSanto, Torres, Falcao, Morata, Higuain, Lukaku and Aubameyang. I mean, that is shocking. Should retire. Yeah, I've got my head in my hands. I think the last good number nine we had was Hasselbank. But yes, it's the cursed number. Well, I was just going to say, just on, on the, the number nine, you know, Bayern Munich don't have a number nine. So since Lewandowski left, nobody's taken the number. So they didn't take it for last season. And unless they sign somebody new who takes it this year, they literally don't have the number nine allocated to anyone in the squad. I like it, like the fact you're trying to make that stat and that's just for 12 months they've had no number nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a coincidence. It's, it, that's not but, a it's, but it's the number nine shirt. It's, it, you know, somebody, you, it, they signed um, Mane. Do, well, do you know you what know I mean? It's, could, it's, do you know who it could be though? Who? Harry Kane. Big Harry. Could be, couldn't it? He does have a choice to make, doesn't he? I'd I'd like to see that one, to be honest. And Kyle well, Walker going there as well. So, well, I mean, Man United haven't had a number nine since two thousand and nine. The only exception to that is Michael Owen scoring a last minute winner against the fucking dirty pricks across the road. 
<laughs> he, he earned he earned the number seven for that goal alone. So before we started this, I did ask all of the guys if they could pick out their favourite squad number, whether it be the one they had on the back of their shirt when they played, or just a fam- favourite story. So I thought it'd be good to go round and kind of and find out. So Scott, we'll, we'll stick with you then. Do you have a? I don't know why I'm asking you this because we all know what it's going to be. Well, it's no surprise, but. You, it wasn't my fault that my favourite footballer decided to leave Man United and join Real Madrid and then choose my favourite ever basketball player's number. So it's just, and to tell the, the truth is, when I played for my local team, I was all, I usually played right wing when I was younger and I would always go for the number seven. And then as we progressed into adulthood, what our club started doing was you, you just bought your own shirt because it made it so much cheaper in terms of having to find sponsors to um to obviously collate the kits and somebody would lose them or they'd get destroyed in the wash. And everybody would always argue over, it was the usual story, who wants number 10, who wants number seven, and everybody would argue. And as soon as I took the number 20, nobody wanted the number 23 because it was, you know, wasn't unique to them. So that for, ever since then, it's really been 23 for me. I, did, I think 23 was going to be my number. But I just think it looks the best on a shirt because you get the curves and you get, the pattern, if it's like Mancini's wearing it, obviously at Roma and, and, and yeah, I just think it's, it looks aesthetically nice on the shirt. Who, who's got 23 in the book? Who, what's, what other players are great? 23, let's have a look. Uh, we've got Robbie Fowler when he first started at Liverpool. Um, Sol Campbell, obviously, you know, crossed the, the divide. Um, Schneider had it briefly at Real Madrid. Uh, Janino at Middlesbrough in one of his um, stints, um, definitely a favourite of mine. And Arshavin, when he scored his four at Anfield, was in the 23. But yeah, I think you're, you're right. I mean, Declan Rice 41 doesn't look good, from my opinion. But I know what you mean about the 23. It's got like a, a stylistic um, element to it. So Stan, we're guessing you've got your Paul Merson 10 shirt on. Is that going to be your favourite? It has to be. It has to be. Just that inspirational character on the pitch, number 10, um, no substitute. Um, Mike... I, I dread to think how high we're going to go here. <laughs> uh, so th- th- when it comes to squad numbers, my my favourite number is actually a number 13. That it, it, that just comes from when I used to play football Saturday and Sunday league. I always wore the number 13 shirt. Um, and then I ended up being kit man. So I'd always sort it out. And that's probably why like I do end up wanting the number 13 on a shirt. And I always like, I've I've got a couple of old Villa shirts, to be honest with you, that, at the time, I think Stuart Taylor, the goalkeeper, was wearing number 13 for Villa. So I got like an outfield shirt and I wanted the number 13 on it. So I had no name on it and it's just got the number 13. So and, and then I did actually do it on a goalkeeper shirt and it turned out to be player issue. So somehow <laughs> I've ended up with a player issue shirt with that number 13 on. But that that's kind of like my favourite. But I do, I got to ask out Stan one question because we talked about squad numbers and it was quite an interesting story on this podcast a little while ago for Kit History. If I said the name Steve Palmer to you, would you know who that is? Charlton midfielder number one. <laughs> we talked about him for Watford when he when he literally played uh, every what was it every squad number I think one through to eleven, and that he started in goal for the penultimate game of the season, and then they basically kicked off, hoofed it out of the fucking for a throw in, and then he swapped back out on pitch again, which is probably <laughs> to be honest my my absolute favourite uh, squad number story. And just a quick flick back, I have actually read about that uh, Lisa Azu one you were talking about as well. So apparently the reason I read that he took the 69 is because was he was born in 1969. He weighed 69 kilograms and he was one meter 69 tall. So apparently those three things was why he did it, which is obviously pretty much ties up with what you said. Nothing to do with any other conversations. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just a quick jump back to 13, Mike's favorite number. Is do you have Nesta as number thirteen in in the book or not? Absolutely, yes. And Very what's much. the can can you give us a spoiler? What's the reason that he always chose number thirteen? Unfortunately, with some of the players, it's just the number they have. There's no backstory. Um, so I mean, he's with the Balaks. He's with the um, we've got Maxwell. We've got Valencia at Fenerbahce, the Ecuadorian. Um, but not all of them. I can get a story about why number thirteen. My assumption is it's to beat the superstition. You know, Gallus had it a long time at Chelsea. 
um, before he, he unfortunately took 10. So I think it's a personality trait. I'm just not sure the exact reason for Nista. Because it's interesting when a player sticks to a number through several clubs like that and then somebody's obviously not thought to... He's not done an interview where somebody's been geeky enough to ask him, why do you always wear that number? And I think the superstition must play a huge part in these footballers' decisions. If you know you, you have your debut and you play well and you think, right, that's what I'm sticking with, then why change it? See, going on to my favourite squad number, one of my, it's quite a recent one actually, but Alessandro Bastoni at Inter Milan kind of made the breakthrough the last couple of years, wears 95, which is unusual to have a, maybe not so much in Italy, but... Squad number that high for a starting defender. But the reason for that is because his older brother, who he used to play football with in the park, kind of gave him his football and education. His older brother was never quite good enough to make it pro. So he plays kind of amateur level football still. And Bastoni wears a 95 in honour of his brother because that was the year of his brother's birth. So that's why he has 95 on his back to kind of say thank you to his older brother, which I think is a nice story. But in terms of my favourite squad number... I think I would, again, I always used to rush to get the number eight shirt, but that's, I think, just purely because I used to love Frank Lampard. Unfortunately, I don't have a a fondness for Lampard's suit and tie for obvious reasons because he's not quite as good. But number eight, I'll take that all day. The the question back to you, Tom, if you were to pick your one to 11, assuming fullbacks, two and three, right wing, seven, left wing, 11, where does number eight play? Is it centre midfielder or is it up front? Oh, see, for me, it would be centre midfield, but that's probably wrong, isn't it? No, I'm with you. I, I yeah. would say nine and ten up top, yeah. with ten dropping a bit, and then four and eight in the middle. But I've had the debate in the past where it's not everybody agrees. I agree with that too. We should do a one to eleven with like our ultimate players in those in those shirt numbers, the four four two with Stan's book as the yeah. guide. Yeah. Before Bye-bye. we shoot off, then Stan, we're going to ask you the same question we always ask everyone on the pod which is your dream shirt footballer combination. And obviously we're going to give you the option of a squad number two. What would the pairing be? It would be for me the 1998 Arsenal home kit, the double under Wenger with Bergkamp number 10. Probably my happiest memory as a childhood supporting Arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. I had a bit of getting used to Bergkamp because he took Merston's number. Um, but after about 15 seconds of his debut, I realised he was a little bit, um, and so it didn't take too long. Uh, so yeah, and it's based on memories and just enjoyment, you know. And that's why I love the number 10. There's those type of players bring you that smile on your face. Um, so that would that would be my dream shirt. Yeah, can't argue with that choice. Even as a Chelsea fan, I've always admired Burkamp. But let us know then. This book, your book that you've written, football shirts, names, and numbers. Where can people find it? Where can people get it from? So free to download at www.thehalfwayline.org. Um, all the 17 football issues for magazines, if you like your trivia, the book's there. Um, the plan will be to, to get it out to wider audience in physical, because I think, to your point, Tom, a coffee table, if, I don't know, your other half is taking ages to get ready, sit down in the lounge, it will kill five to ten minutes, you know, with a warm-up beer. Um, you'll definitely find something in there that you didn't know. Um, and so yeah, and and I I hope we can we can do a giveaway as well on the podcast to get it out there quicker. Yeah, absolutely. So what we're going to do, I have the copy here that you've sent me kindly, and this is going to be given away. So we will have details of this on Twitter, but we're going to ask people to follow the pod, follow yourself on Twitter, which is at ten stand nineteen eighty one, and someone is. I mean, how many of these are in existence at the moment? There's currently twenty. Um, okay. So there will be a relaunch because there's a feature there where I've picked a one to 11 of the players wearing the same shirt number. And up until about 6.50 this evening, I didn't have a number four goalie. Watching the MLS Cup recently, I found a goalie wearing number two, which I thought that's great news. That can go in the next volume. I looked at his career history and he has worn number four in the Mexican leagues. So now I've got the complete bit. So there'll be a reprint and... Yeah, the plan will probably be ask how many people want it and then I'll send it to the printers um, and hopefully, yeah, get that out to people because um, I think they'll enjoy it. Yeah, it's, uh, like I say, I've got it here and I haven't stopped looking at it since it arrived. I um, didn't really want to give it away, but that was the deal we made. So <laughs> <laughs> honestly, Stan, we've absolutely loved it. I have to come back on for volume two because I could talk squad numbers all night, to be honest with you. But we will be giving this away. So keep everyone's eye on the socials. Stan, been a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Take care.
But that was sensational stuff, wasn't it? So as uh, as Stan and Tom said, we've definitely got a giveaway coming to you soon on that. Who knows? We might do a little quiz, but we'll have to do it before we get those books out there. Otherwise, people, we might have to use some of those shirt numbers for uh, for questions in the quiz. But what else have we got coming up over the next few weeks, Mike? <laughs> right. Well, the emails are already coming in for our shittest shirt of all time poll. So I think we're going to do the special on that uh, in a few weeks time. Um We've still got a few other things lined up, including that Wrexham special. They do still want to do it, even though Tom tried his hardest to get them not to. I was <laughs> pissing myself, by the way. Yeah, that was, was so to the good. Last week. I was literally Everybody's out running. About I was out running and I had to stop because I was... <laughs> So yeah, so I've just I'm gonna try and leave it a couple of weeks to let everything calm down so Tom doesn't think we're jumping on the bandwagon. Um and then yeah, next so next week we are th- this week, sorry, I am gonna be sitting down and recording with a gentleman by the name of Austin Chen, who runs Equipped Studios, who are a kit manufacturer based in the States. Um, he's gonna be telling me all about his concept designs and how he got into kit design and manufacturing and all about the club and the kit release that he has kindly sent us a batch of shirts for. So we are going to be giving some of those away soon as well. So we're launching, basically, yep. a top flight football kit. Is that right? Yep. It's the I... Man, Man United third. No, it's not. It's not. So <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 but it is very, very cool. So um, basically, it is an Asian club. It's going to be It's a, a, a top tier club over, over in Asia. There's some really, really cool looking kits. He sent me the, the brief that we sent out to everybody that's going to be distributing these. And there's a cool little story that goes with it. And I'm, yeah, I'm going to be speaking to him this week and that'll go out on, on next week's pod. Genuinely, Mike, I think that's one of the coolest things we've done as a podcast. So, I mean, it's not something we would have ever expected. And I don't want to appear like we're patting ourselves off on the back, but I think you've done top work with that. It's genuinely really exciting, I think. If we were going to rank the best things that we've done, um, that would be right up there, but but we don't do ranking. Six out of ten. Um, from the way Scott joined, uh, sorry, Tom joined this podcast, I think he was ranking right before this fucking record, to be honest <laughs> with you. That's sweaty. He doesn't even cover it. Either that or he was tucking into a Chinese again. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds exciting. It sounds like we've got some great stuff coming up. Um, anybody got any new shirts arriving this week? I'm wearing the uh, TK Maxx special Legia Warsaw shirt, which I actually think is really smart. It's the same template as Juventus's third shirt from 1920. Uh, so it's got like a camo pat- uh, pattern on it. Just quite a smart one, I thought. So check out your TK Maxx's because they also had Seattle Sounders Hendrix shirts in there, but they were very large sizes when I went in. What, what wasn't that shirt made famous by a, a rapper or a singer? I did check. So it's the away shirt. Stormzy wore the away uh... shirt when he did his concert. Do we, does Stormzy do concerts? Gig? I don't know. Gig? But uh, yeah, this is the home version, which is equally nice. Me and Stormzy, we've got that in common. See, I, I had a, a good shirt turn up recently, which I've already shared on my socials, and that's that the Fenerbahce from 1996, which I didn't expect to find so quickly, but that turned up and it was great. It's, oh, it's fucking brilliant. It's instantly one of my favourite shirts I own. Absolutely brilliant. It is definitely the best one out of all that piss you've been sharing. <laughs> 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 yeah so at this stage i think we just encourage him because the quicker he completes it the quicker we haven't got yeah. it, isn't it? complete almost... it have you fucking seen how many there are <laughs> hurry up Christ. and then it costs fucking 10 pound each so just hurry up and get them <laughs> i've got the last one cost me 150 you prick <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one i have three on the way and two of which i've been forced to buy because of stock issues and one of them I was forced to buy by my twins because they wanted the uh, new Man United home shirt. And we were at the park the other day and somebody had a football shirt with a number on it. So they wanted ones with number on it. And I was disgusted at the price for a four-year-old's kit with a number on the back. And I said I wasn't going to buy anything full price this year. And I have managed to wangle whether it was Tesco gift cards or whatever. But I have the Italy home coming, which I adored the minute it was released. but. It went out, it was sold out on Adidas. They restocked it and it's almost gone again. So I was like, right, I'm going to have to buy it because I don't want to miss it. Inauthentic. Uh, I've discussed the uh, Man United away. And then, yeah, my kids, the twins were like, well, if we want dad to get the Man United home shirt as well. So I have, not only have I bought a shirt, 
but it will the tags will be being removed because I have to wear it as well because the twins oh, want man. me to wear it. Unbelievable, the things <laughs> we do for our kids, Scott. I still went authentic, though. I still wasn't buying a fucking stadium. I won't be caught dead outside the house in one of those. You tight bastard! All the kits you buy, and you're moaning about buying two for the twins. <laughs> I, yeah, but my kits will fit me for twenty years. Those will fit them for fucking twenty minutes. Hang, hang on, hang on. That's, I, we recognise that those pints away, Scott. Yeah. That's wishful yeah. thinking, mate. Right, let's leave it there. Um, I guess the only thing that's left this week is for Scott to do the outro. Well, what, am I meant to say the first bit or the second bit? The whole lot, Scott. You swore. That's not, that's not how it works. I'll just let him do the first bit then. No, it's definitely not the first bit because that's always the announcer that does it. <laughs> try, try, hang on, try it both ways round. You try it both ways no, round. No, 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 no. <laughs> if you do the first bit, Scott, I'll do the second bit. No, that's not how it works. You swore it's mildly offensive. That's not how it works. <laughs> the pain in his eye, the sadness in his eyes. <laughs> he can't bear it. Oh, someone just say the fucking first bit and then make him do the second. Ada, you have the pleasure this week. They think it's... Oh, oh no! Bastard! <laughs> For those who aren't aware of what's just happened, he's been the biggest scumbag coward you'll ever see. And he's left. <laughs> Disgrace. We thought it's it was going to be over. It is now. now.